Always Crashing the Podcast is 100% a talk show for the on-demand internet age. Tim Notary is 100% a real person and a work of fiction. This is a show about fiction, non-fiction, reality, and surreality. It is not mine, it is yours. mind off of impeachment uh lies and the liars who tell them and this joker movie <laughs> it's br- okay man so i'm gonna make this as quick as possible okay um my kids like comics my kids like superheroes that, that's in no small part to me but you know there's there's superhero cartoons and there's a lego series on netflix that my especially my youngest daughter adores okay so I'm normally very busy. I had about a half hour of free time on my hand the other day. So I decided that I was going to go to Phantom of the Attic in Pittsburgh. Okay. It is my favorite comic book store that I've ever been to. I've been a customer there for, I would say, almost 30 years. Yeah, I, I love it there. It is a wonderful place. They hire women. They hire queer. They hire trans. Oh, yeah. They have they have an LGBTQ. They have the whole acronym, and I apologize. For do you want me? To, do you want me? To, do you want me to give it out? Yes, LGB, LGBTQI plus. Okay, I think is the you. I think is now the what is the this the agreed upon. Yeah, that w- one of their clerks, one of their uh, people that worked there for several years, was going for her doctorate in queer studies. Okay, so they're very aware and they they understand. They have a section of queer superheroes, queer graphic novels. If you're brown, they they know exactly where to send you. You know, hey, have you read Ms. Marvel? Have you read The Champions? Have you read this? Have you read that? This would be something that would be good for you. This is something that's exclusive for you. Okay. And so I went there and I bought some comic books and I I got to talk to uh, Jeff, the owner. And he asked me if I was going to go see the Joker movie. He's like, "It's, it's hard to see a movie. Right now, I mean, it's like if I hire a babysitter, it's like at least eighty two hundred dollars more just to see a movie. What about you, Jeff? He's like, I don't want to see it. I kind of wish I wouldn't have come out. I think this is the wrong time for this type of movie. Every day, I see guys coming here that idolize the Joker. They have Joker tattoos. They buy Joker comics. They buy the T-shirts, and I look at that and I sell it to them. And sometimes I'll recommend something else but probably not enough. And I just wish that they would find something else to idolize because there's nothing redemptive about that character. And that is why I love this comic book store, that they're inclusive to the minorities and they're trying to reach out to the majority that's not quite getting it. They're there, they're good, they're wonderful. Phantom of the Attic, if you ever find yourself in Pittsburgh, give them your business. You will not regret it. Clap it. Applause. I'm going to actually use that clip 
for my show this week. Cool. Where I do more Joker, work out my demons with regards to the Joker. Because I was one of those guys, like, just quick. Like, I, I, uh, yeah, I, um... I don't know. We'll we'll save that's a that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> so what what's mm-hmm. the what what do you what did you bring this week? What did you have this week that was gonna make? Yeah, like, oh that oh the, the oh fact, oh cool oh awesome. The fact that Phantom of the Attic is a place out there. I mean, when we think of comic book stores and comic book store owners, we immediately think of the guy from The Simpsons. We think of the nerds. We think of some dude with acne mansplaining. Well, actually, the reason why Batman is stronger than Wonder Woman is, <laughs> and this is a place that's. None of those things. They are, hey, um, you like this music. This is something I was listening to. Hey, uh, you you have a, you, you're asking about this trans comic. I will order it for you. I will order two copies, one for you and one for the next person that walks in through this door. I'm going to hire somebody that looks like you. I'm going to treat you with respect. Even if you don't buy a dang thing, you still get respect when you walk through my doors wonderful place cannot speak highly enough about them i'm not going to kill you i want you to do me a favor i want you to tell all your friends about me where are you i'm back
future. The future. Cookie Monster. I'm Batman. That's Batman. I'm Batman. Listen, I'm Batman. You sound like a bad guy. I swear I am a good guy. Okay, Mr. Batman. Batman? Batman. That's what I said, Batman. No, you're saying Batman. Uh, listen, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. So all I know, you can be Batman! I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Outrageous! I'm Batman. Hey, I'm more Batman than Batman. Man, you've got to be Michael Keaton Batman. Hey, Batman. No. Hey, I'm Batman. Right out from under his nose! <laughs> and 
But if you think you can switch sides and out criminal the clown prince of crime, it's only this very moment you're being charged up to ten dollars more to play certain games on Super Nintendo than to play the same games on Sega Genesis. Right, Joker. Which is fine, really. Good evening. Coming up at 11 on News 36 tonight, we'll be looking at the end of Spring Fest. Sponsors calling it a big success this year. We'll look at a new shopping arena for the area as a major new They're about to complete a great quest. Holy Grail. Dr. Jones. Oh, rats. This is it. Look. The shield is the second mark. You found it. Indiana Jones is on the quest of a lifetime. But for some adventures, one Jones is not enough. Dad? Junior? Don't call me that, please. Follow me! Another way! Ah! A race across three continents. And in this sort of race, there's no silver medal for finishing second. There's no silver medal for finishing second. Eric. 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 
forget this. Forget this. say they saw was at some point a canister was tossed in here spraying gas and balloons some sort of tear gas or fire spray they say he fired into the ceiling first and then this man who was wearing a cars and bulletproof across his gas mask on started shooting at the explosion he was using an AR-15 shotgun reaching the corner just and got a lot of firepower no matter how you look at it 12-39 by this time, police say hundreds of calls are flooding into police headquarters to 911.
the last time I heard my son's voice was when he walked out the front door on his way to school. He called out one word in the darkness. Wait till they get a load of me. <laughs> it was April 20th, 1999. Later that morning at Columbine High School, my son Dylan and his friend Eric killed 12 students and a teacher and wounded more than 20 others before taking their own lives. 13 innocent people were killed, leaving their loved ones in a state of grief and trauma. Others sustained injuries, some resulting in disfigurement and permanent There's no way to assess the magnitude of a tragedy like Columbine, especially when it can be a blueprint for other shooters who go on to commit atrocities of their own. Columbine was a title word, and when the crash ended, it would take years for the community and for society to comprehend its impact. It has taken me years to try to accept my legacy. The cruel behavior that defined the end of his life. Of those who knew them are coming forward to us with details about a young man who seemed to be unraveled. Afterwards, people think he's too convinced to get on Brian Increasingly, Adam was so troubled he would not leave the house. And his mother, Nancy, the last few months, told friends she was losing control of her 20-year-old son. It was just getting a little harder for her as um, you know, time went on. Nancy Vance was a regular at this Newtown bar and restaurant, where the owners say she told them about her struggles with Adam's emotional and behavioral problems for years. She always schooled him and everything. So she, you know, like I say, I knew he was on medication, but that's all I, that's all I know. Since elementary school at Sandy Hook through high school, Adam was known by classmates as strange, severely shocked. He looked me into your eyes for more than a couple seconds. He'd always look down at his paper or whatever he was doing. A former babysitter says he was told by the mother to never leave Adam alone. Never even go to the bathroom or turn your back on him at any time. The former school security director, who became close to Adam when he was in the high school tech club, said Adam had several disorders, including the inability to feel pain. He would cut himself, or hurt himself, he would not know it. She apologized for overhearing that conversation, but told me that I was wrong. She said that when she was a young, single mother with three small children, she became severely depressed and was hospitalized because of the Hey, put your hands up and allow talking. No, no, ma'am. Or show me your hands. No, ma'am. His emotional testimony was credited with helping get a conviction and 10-year prison sentence for the killing of their neighbor, Botham John. Now police trying to bring Brown's killers to justice. A second suspect was caught overnight, Michael Mitchell. A third man, 20-year-old Jaquarius Mitchell, who police say was shot by Brown in a drug deal gone bad, is now in a Dallas hospital guarded by police. Arrest warrants detail what he and anonymous tipsters told investigators went down Friday night. All three suspects came from Alexandria, Louisiana, to purchase drugs from Joshua Brown. Police say once there, a fight broke out. Witnesses told police two gunshots followed. 
Brown, fatally wounded, collapsed outside his apartment complex. As Green, who police say fired the fatal shots, grabbed Brown's gun and backpack and sped off All right, with the two other men. The police shooting yeah, death like of a black over, man inside uh, his own apartment in Dallas through tents overnight. A Dallas a Brown's Journal's apartment turned up 12 pounds of marijuana, 143 grams of THC and $4,000 in cash. The assistant chief slapping down suggestions on social media that the Dallas PD was people somehow to involved justice in retaliation for, for Brown Botham testifying John, against former the police officer Amber Geiger. Last week by I assure you that is simply not true. Amber but his family's attorney insists suspicions were remain unless another law enforcement agency takes over the case. I am not. In order to good morning, Geiger is charged with manslaughter after what happened at this apartment complex. But demonstrators say that is not enough. Her case now heads to a grand jury. Dallas. Those charges that has injected a whole new level of anger and fear into America's already fraught debate over race and law enforcement. Overnight, large street I like violence. I love violence. I hate the weak person who goes to art and say, oh, that hurt me, that image. Uh, why to make pictures for that person? They are blind. Poetry is violence. This is reality. They are so much in a violent world, so much, so much, they don't want to see that. I am in the middle of violence. I am in the middle of a screen of television now. They are in the middle of the screen of that television which showing every day the violence of the world. And the person is saying to me, oh, you are violent. I like violence. I love violence. Some hide between cars. A woman runs. Pushing the baby carriage. As police bunched for cover, the trick of finding the shooter, they start to go down. Code 3, officer down. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I hate the weak person who goes to art and says, Oh, that hurt me, that image. Why to make pictures of that person? They are blind. Poetry is violent. They are so much in a violent world. So much, so much, they don't want to see that. I am in the middle of violence. I am in the middle of a screen of television. There I am. In the middle of the screen of that television which showing every day the violence of the world. And the person saying to me, oh, you are violent. I like violence.
going toward that initial cell phone video, uh, you can really get a sense of uh, seeing the legs and the way that he was transported and, and a different point along the journey here when they put those leg irons on. The other thing that it shows is that uh, if you believe the timeline that the police gave, this is several minutes since he had actually been put into the police van. This is after he asked for an inhaler. This is after the police, the driver of that van, said that he was behaving in a way that was irate. And so they pulled over, they made the stop, and put those leg irons on him. So I would think that a lot of people would be curious to see, is he in any worse shape than he was initially when you see that other cell phone video that was taken just several minutes prior. And Professor you know, Wayne Zelinsky was hard at work on his new invention. thing works to put us right up there with the invention of electricity. That didn't quite work. Did you get the machine to work? A few more bucks to get out. Then something quite unexpected happened. Where are the kids? I haven't seen them since I left this morning. It shrunk the kids. Nick, what happened? It works. Diane, I got something real important to tell you. Are you trying to tell me the machine works? Do the kids know? Well, yeah, the kids know. That's great. It's not that great. Why? I shrunk the kids and the Thompson kids, too. They're about this big. Threw them out with the trash. What? They're in the backyard. Walt Disney Pictures presents The Last Frontier. Jack can fix us, right, Nick? I'll tell you their size. It's a jungle out there. While the professor is looking for the kids, just gotta keep our eyes on them. They're taking matters into their own hands. I say that, and it's ours. They better behave themselves. Something's very weird here. What is it?
1961, James Farmer leads 13 people, black and white, onto buses in Washington, D.C., bound for New Orleans. Ten days later, the bus enters Alabama, home to the largest KKK organization in America. They know the riders are coming. In Anniston, the Klan surrounds the bus, slashing its tires. Photographer Joe Postiglione captures these images. The crippled Greyhound tries to escape, but a few miles out of town, the Klan surrounds and firebombs it. The riders have still a inside. That you, you perhaps use violence too much. I like violence. I love fire. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. More than 700 children protested racial segregation. Were arrested, blasted with fire, clubbed by police, and attacked by police. Sound like Cookie Monster. I'm Batman. That's Batman. I'm 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 Batman. Where's he get a load of me? Images of the officials in Texas have sought to crush some of those rumors circulating on social media. They say they've even received death threats because of some of the more outlandish rumors that have been spread. And the FBI has been called in to investigate the source of some of those death threats. There's about three days worth of video footage showing Sandra Bland doing everything from being mugshot taken to um, sleeping in her cell and they're hoping that uh, the release of this footage uh, will help to um, dispel some of the more outlandish rumors. I mean there was um, evidence that she had an extremely high level of marijuana in her um, system when uh, they carried out tests. There was a, uh, a very high level of THC, which is one of the active components of uh, marijuana. Now, there was the suggestion that uh, maybe Sandra Bland got access to marijuana while she was the kind of progress in custody, made during but, um, the past six and a half years in helping the poor. We have between four and six million fewer low-income families on the federal income tax rolls. We've tamed inflation rates that were devastating the purchasing power of those least able to afford the basic necessities of life and reversed an upward spiral in the number of poor people that began in 1979. The official statistics released on Thursday show that the poverty rate is down for the third year in a row. The 1.6 percentage drop in poverty over the last three years is the largest sustained improvement since 1970. And median family income ABC's Matt Gutman has been analyzing this new evidence all day. In 1986, a first the look at how that fateful night began for Trayvon Martin. All of us can be pleased with this progress. Pleased, but not satisfied. For the first time, more must be done to reduce poverty and dependency, and believe me, nothing is more important than welfare reform. It's now common knowledge that our welfare system has itself become a poverty trap, a creator and reinforcer of dependency. And that's why last year, in my State of the Union message, 
I called for an overhaul of our welfare system. Since that time, I've sent to Congress a carefully designed package of proposals that rejects the old federal approach of sweeping solutions dictated Bush from and Washington. Dukakis on crime. The central point Bush of our new the death penalty for first-degree murderers. Study Dukakis not only opposes the death penalty, he allowed first-degree murderers to have weekend passes from prison. One was Willie Horton, who murdered a boy in a robbery, stabbing him 19 times. Despite a life sentence, Horton received 10 weekend passes from prison. And the first calls from neighbors to the boy who fought the death penalty. Oh, my God. The National no Governors Association met uh, last weekend in Michigan. They gave substantial support to our plans to give them greater flexibility, and they promised to work closely with us and the Congress. While we must let loose the creative energies of our states and localities, I think there are some critical improvements we can make at the federal level. All mothers who have children under age six are exempt from participating in work activities that, as several demonstration projects have shown, can help Aid for Dependent Children, AFDC, recipients become more self-reliant. Fewer than one-fifth of all recipients now participate in work activities. We must lift this counterproductive exemption and thereby get early help to these women and their children before they become chronically dependent on welfare. We must also reform work had actually fired uh, some rubber bullets and failed. thrown more of these uh, to flash canisters uh, into the crowd. In the fight against there poverty, have been some arrests. There may also have, have been some injuries. You see there one of the, the protesters throwing that smoke canister back at police. We have Janet Katsuyama, who is white in the middle of all of this. Janet, what can you see from where you are right now? They knew from the beginning, but yet still tried to cover it up. 
10 years after her son's death, Wanda Johnson, Oscar Grant's like mother, says this new report reveals what she has known for a decade, that her son didn't have to be murdered. On New Year's Day in 2009, Bart police officer Johannes Meserle shot 22-year-old Oscar Grant in the back, later saying he thought he grabbed his taser. According to a crime report from the law investigator didn't buy his explanation. There you are. We were wondering when you'd show up. Have a seat. Come on. Taking a leisurely stroll, were we? I was uh, just just looking around. Enjoy God's latest gift. What? God's gift. The violence. When I came downstairs in my home and I saw that tree in my living room, it reached out for me like a divine hand. God loves violence. I hadn't noticed. <laughs> Here you have. Why else would there be so much of it? It's in us. It's what we are. We wage war, we burn sacrifices, and pillage and plunder, and tear at the flesh of our brothers. And why? Because God gave us violence to wage in his honor. I thought God gave us moral order. There's no moral order as pure as this storm. There's no moral order at all. There's just this. Can my violence conquer yours? Not violent. Yes, you are. You're as violent as they come. I know this because I'm as violent as they come. With the constraints of society, they're lifted. And I was all that stood between you and a meal. You would crack my skull with a rock and eat my meaty parts. Macaulay thinks you're harmless, that you can be controlled, but I know different. You don't know me. Oh, but I do. Oh, I know you. We've known each other for centuries. If I was to sink my teeth into your eye right now, would you be able to stop me before I blinded you? Give it a try. That's the spirit. On New Year's Day in 2009, Bart police officer Johannes Mezzer shot 22-year-old Oscar Grant in the back, later saying he thought he grabbed his taser. According to a crime report from a law firm commissioned by Bart, investigators didn't buy his explanation. They say enhanced video showed Mesrily reaching for the gun several times and looking at the weapon as he finally drew it. It makes me frustrated because if you look at that, the officer already had seven, you know, complaints against him that year, and nothing was done. 
and it just goes back to the frustration level of there is no accountability for police officers. The report also criticizes a second part officer, Anthony Peroni, saying he was aggressive throughout the encounter, using the N-word, grabbed attention, but it had little basis in reality. Taylor was a con artist, and not at all representative of the typical welfare recipient. The welfare community is a major factor of the Republican Party. I just say some words? There are cynics 
who say that a party platform is something that no one bothers to read and it doesn't vitamins. carry... I am in the middle of a screen of television now. There I am, in the middle of the screen of that television who is showing every day the violence of the world. ...of bold, unmistakable colors with no pale pastel shades. use violence too much. I like violence. I love violence. I hate the weak person who go to art and say, oh, that hurt me, that image. Huh? Why to make pictures for that person? They are blind. Poetry is violent. This is reality. They are so much in a violent world, so much, so much, they don't want to see that. I am in the middle of violence. I am in the middle of a screen of television now. There I am, in the middle of the screen of that television who is showing every day the violence of the world. And the person is saying to me, oh, you are violent. I like violence that no concessions policy remains in force. In spite of the wildly speculative and false stories about arms for hostages and alleged ransom payments, we did not, repeat, did not trade weapons or anything else for hostages. The bullet of the bullet, some freedom or some bullshit. Will we ever do it bigger? Just keep settling for little shit. We brag on having bread, but none of us are bakers. We all talk having greens, but none of us on acres. If none of us on acres and none of us grow wheat, then who will feed our people when our people need to eat? So it seems our people starve from lack of understanding. Cause all we seem to give them is some balling and some dancing. And some talking about our car and imaginary mansions. We should be indicted for bullshit we inciting. Children deaf and pretending it's exciting. We are advertisements for agony and pain. We exploit the youth, we tell them to join the gang. We tell them dope stories, introduce them to the gang. Just like I love a North introduced us to cocaine. In the 80s when them bricks came on military plane. Two months ago I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostages. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true, but the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. The end of the Reagan era, I'm like Lemma 12 old enough to understand the shit that changed forever. They declared the war on drugs, like a war on terror. But what it really did was let the police terrorize whoever. But mostly black boys, but they would call us niggas, and lay us on our belly while they fingers on their triggers. They boots was on our head, they dogs was on our crotches, and they would beat us up if we had diamonds on our watches. And they would take our drugs and monies as they pick our pockets. I guess that that's the privilege of policing for some profit. But thanks to Reaganomics, prison turned to profits. Cause free labor's the cornerstone of U.S. economics. Cause slavery was abolished unless you are in prison. You think I am bullshitting, then read the 13th Amendment. Involuntary servitude and slavery, it prohibits. That's why they giving drug offenders time in double digits. Ronald Reagan was an actor, not at all a factor. Just an employee of the country's real masters. Just like the Bushes, Clinton and Obama. Just another talking head telling lies on teleprompters. If you don't believe the theory, that argue with this logic. Why did Reagan and Obama both go after Gaddafi? We invading sovereign soil, going after oil. Taking countries is a hobby paid for by the oil lobby. Same as in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I'm a dinner jar, say they coming for Iran. They only love the rich and how they love the poor. If I say any more, they might be at my door. Who the fuck is that? Staring in my window. Doing that surveillance on Mr. Michael Rinder. I'm dropping off the grid before they pump the lid. I leave you with four words. I'm glad Reagan did. Look at that story. Look at that story. If you have to.
to Always Crashing, a drive-time talk show for the on-demand internet. Let's do that again. Hello, you've been listening to Always Crashing, a drive-time talk show for the on-demand internet age. I'm your host, Tim Notary. Um, Tim Notary. I'm your host, Tim Notary, the real Tim Notary, 100% um, on time for you in the flesh, blood, no mask or character between us um so yeah uh i just wanted to chime in thank you to the audience for sticking with us listening whoever you are out there i know i have one friend who listens regularly perhaps two uh if they are listening they will text me the secret code word which was Planted in this episode. Uh, Or they'll just listen to the thing I have next. Um, So this week's episode is kind of a companion piece to an essay that I'm working on, um, which is because it's me. It's an essay that's part of larger work. So I'm still working on it, but it's kind of in a state where I can share it. Uh, I have feelings about reading it out loud. (laughs) So I'm trying something different where you're going to get what I think is the best text-to-speech on the market for free on your Apple Macintosh, MacBook Pro book, um, which is the Scottish voice Fiona. I think it's Fiona. Um, After working long, many years in the speech technology world and listening to terrible voices this one's actually pretty pleasant gets most of it right isn't super robotic or i don't know weird it's still weird and robotic but here it is uh so yeah this is an essay uh which eventually i will finish and publish but um essentially since it is unfinished i will not be reading it i have hired my computer to do it for me. I uh, enjoy and thank you. Thanks again, Eric, Heather, Julie, Max. I think that's everybody for your love and support and anybody else who's not listening, who loves and supports me. Um, it's a long list. And that's it. That's I I yeah. That's done. Goodbye. Maybe this is why this whole Joker movie thing has me on edge. <laughs>
has me so angsty and angry and sad and bored with the controversy and the controversy surrounding the controversy and on and on to all the cultural criticism eating its own tail. Maybe it has to do with how much this character, the Joker, has meant to me. Maybe it has to do with my relationship with my brothers. It's 1989. I'm seven, just. I am now an age where I am sure of my memories. I am starting to have more and more of them and they are clear. Maybe this is one of the memories I've worked so hard to lock away, but it seems so clear and perfect to me now. I am seven years old, and my oldest brother is 18 and my middle brother is 16, both at their own crossroads of childhood and adolescence and adulthood. It is the summer of Batman, a movie that is a herald to a new age of culture, politics, filmmaking, acting, and violence. I'm no expert and I'm no researcher, but I assume it would be hard to find anyone who studies these things to deny how important this movie is to where we are now in our American history. Prince did the soundtrack for fuck's sake. This was probably my first exposure to Prince too. My brothers listened Kiss and Metallica and Bruce and Top 40 Hip Hop, but I don't remember hearing Purple Rain until I was a teenager. I was a Michael Jackson kid. Anyway, that's a whole nother essay. It is the summer of Batman. I am seven. My parents were pretty easygoing with my media consumption. At this point in my life I'd already seen everything from Gremlins to John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. My family loved movies, going to the movies, renting movies, hell even making movies. My dad and my mom's dad always were filming family events, they loved movies, not as much as they loved sports but movies came in right after. I'm pretty sure my grandfather filmed all the sports my brothers played in. Anyway, the only cable channels we had were ESPN and HBO. Also Nick at night, but that comes into the story in a bit. It is the summer of Batman and everyone was seeing it. This is the first movie I remember seeing in the theater twice. I remember treasuring the free comic book that they gave away at the opening weekend showing. This is the first movie I remember going to see with both my brothers. In my memory it was the first time I really spent time with them without our parents. It's a nice book into the fact that we went to go see the wonderful mess that was Batman and Robin eight years later. The older I get and the more in tune with myself I become the more that one becomes the Batman that was truly meant for me. My oldest brother Rick was off to college soon. I don't think as a seven year old I was really aware of all of that or what that meant 11 years later I would too have the glorious summer between midleckless adolescence and young adulthood, between high school and college, between living in my parents home and living on my own. I don't know if Rick experienced it the same way I did but my guess is he did. I imagine he has a lot of precious memories from that summer, and I hope this magical movie of clowns and cakes was one of them. See there was no doubt I was going to see this movie, no matter how dark or how violent it would be purported to be. I loved Batman. My favorite villain was the Riddler but the Joker was alright too. I should rephrase before we go further. I loved Batman the TV show, that was really my only exposure. The Adam West one comic books were a waste of money as far as mom and dad were concerned. So I had the comedic over the top campy farce that was in part as much a parody of the Batman comic books and serials as it was an adaptation. My favorite game to play as a child was Batman, ask any of my neighborhood friends. I would tolerate whatever they wanted to do but they knew when it was my turn to pick. I would want to be both Batman and the Riddler, both trapping my friends in an inestimable puzzle trap but also to be the one that could come and solve it and save them, full of bam and biff and with sound effects. Perfect entertainment for a kid in the Reagan years. The opposite of noir. The opposite of realism. For those of you who don't know, the 1989 movie which is central to this memory was perhaps the complete opposite of that. While its violence and drama were more theatrical than an audience would possibly tolerate today, and the filmmaking steeped in the language of both golden age and gritty age comic books, at its beating heart was the hard-boiled noir that made Batman so enduring. 
And while I can rap cinematic about Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton and Tim Burton and Tim Bassinger all that really matters to this story is that I saw the movie with my brothers. It was a thrilling and exciting movie going experience leaving us all with fantasies of flying through the air and racing through the streets with all those wonderful toys, and how fun the Joker was even though he dies at the end. Maybe he still lived the movie made it seem pretty definite the fall killed him but this is a fantasy world and anything can happen after the camera moves on to other scenes. You see my older, beautiful, brothers were never my peers. They were never a kid or a teen like me, they were as adult as my parents to my prepubescent brain, and I worship them like gods the way pre-doubting kids worship their parents and really anyone with power or control. So it was until quite recently that I ever realized that, looking back, that at a time when I saw them as adults and needed them to be adults they were just growing up like me. And so it is with that frame I sit in the back seat of one of the family cars, maybe my middle brother Rob was driving since he would be fresh off getting his license. Let's say it's my mom's book, it definitely wasn't Rick's Supra, that would be a few more years before that shows up. We stopped for ice cream on the way home. I loved, and still do love, soft serve vanilla. We sat in the car with the AC on and ate our ice cream and one of them turned back to look at me. Messy seven year old with vanilla ice cream all over my mouth and say you look like the Joker and so I smiled wide and exaggerated my chubby cheeks and wide mouth to give the creepy mask like outline. Because I wanted to please my brothers, I wanted to be seen by them, I wanted to be their peer. They both laughed, at least in my memory, and then I probably weakly said but I want to look like Batman. I want to be Batman, because that's who my brothers were, they were Batman. And Batman was who I was supposed to want to be, the hero, selfless. Strong and silent, loved by the heroine, athletic, masculine, adored, important, all the things my brothers were. But the Joker was cool too, he killed criminals too, he wasn't ashamed of who he was, he leaned into it, he wore makeup, he wore beautiful clothes, he was an artist, he danced to Prince. The Joker spoke cleverly and creatively especially compared to the blank stoicism of Batman. I was a seven-year-old growing up into my new childhood and adolescent body. I was putting on weight at a clip. My thighs were starting to rub together and uncomfortably chafe. No one will let me forget that I had been an active skinny child that started to get fat in first grade. You came home one day and I almost didn't recognize you. I wondered what they were feeding you the only activities for me were sports, which mostly involved standing around and waiting for something to happen. Nobody just wanted to pretend to do karate and jump across rooftops and look generally ridiculous because it made you look like a retard and not playing kickball was gay. My clothes were getting tighter and more uncomfortable but it would be a few years before my breasts started to really develop. At least it wasn't till third or fourth grade that the other boys and my brothers started to comment. So forgive me if I started to really identify with the flamboyant outsider with the infectious laugh. The one who refused to play by the broken rules, who did what he did because it was fun, who didn't fall in line with the rich and powerful. Batman Bruce Wayne was a freak like me too but he stood up for the established order, who spent his money on extravagant technology to help try to control the world. Forgive me for my verbal and cognitive tics who talks to himself and sees things that aren't there, that has built up behavior and coping mechanisms of depression and anxiety and isolation in response to a trying to hide my queerness and my specialness, trying to shut down the shameful embarrassing thoughts I have, some negative but some positive too. And so now 30 years later we have a movie that I am expected to go see because why would you not go see it how could you comment on it if you haven't even given it a chance and I see a character I have so identified with, Trickster, Agent of Chaos, 
outsider, and this depiction of the character has the potential to show me everything that I am and offer me no redemption, imagine me no future but one in which I can be a violent psychopath, imagine me no future where I tell a room of compatriots that all I have are negative thoughts and be met with love and acceptance, instead I will be a loner until I murder and destroy, until I am a threat. That's the only way for me to find acceptance, for me to find a community. Hollywood and the white wasp world seems to have no imagination when it comes to imagining a future for a neurotypical person suffering from trauma, depression, anxiety and psychosis that doesn't include violence as their only recourse for finding a way to fit into society. We, forward damned to be treated as a villainous chaotic monster at worst or a sick and twisted anti-hero at best. Another movie about a culture of violence yet offering no alternative, another movie lacking the imagination that there is a world not ruled by violence. I felt and I've seen all I need to of that world, it's time for me to imagine that other world instead if you're not going to do it for me. P.S. In writing this I remember a joke my pop, my dad's dad, taught me. He was the master of puns and idioms and weird sayings. What did they call the caked crusaders after the joker ran them over with a steamroller? Flatman and Ribbon. 